Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Welcome to the Film Realist Podcast, the film and TV podcast from a complete nobody. That's hopefully for somebody. I am your host, Kyle Naranya. Welcome to episode five. We are back. We are live on our new episode day, which is Mondays. So hopefully you had a chance to see the film we are reviewing today, which is Pinocchio, the remake of the film from the... I didn't look this up and I should have... Uh, when did this film come out? Pinocchio came out in, I believe it was the 40s, 1940. So an 82-year-old film that got remade. Again, you know that's how Disney works. But before we get into the Disney remake, Disney had a big event this past weekend with D23. So for the first time moving forward, there is a lot of news to cover. So we are going. I am going to be covering all the news. I have written down everything that I wanted to talk about. And... We're going to get into the news with all of the D23 things. So, let's talk about D23. Now, Disney owns lots of things. The the Mouse of House, the House of Mouse, has purchased Fox, Lucasfilm, and that umbrella covers quite a bit of things. So, the first stuff that I'm going to talk about is all of the Marvel announcements slash trailers that were released. Now... There are obviously a lot of professional journalists who were at the event and paid fans as well that saw footage that was exclusive to the event. So I'm not going to comment on descriptions of footage because I'd like to tell or give my opinion on things that I saw actually with my own eyes. So that is what I'm going to do is talk about the trailers that were released to the public and news and or concept art that everybody was able to see on the interwebs. So the first trailer that I'm going to talk about is Werewolf by Night. This is the directorial debut of Michael Giancino. That name might sound familiar to many, as he has been a film composer for a long time, doing notable films such as Star Trek, Up. More recently, he's worked in the MCU with Doctor Strange, and all three of the Spider-Man Home Trilogy. So this is Werewolf by Night, starring Gail Garcia Bernal as the titular werewolf. This trailer debuts the Man-Thing character, which I don't have a lot of knowledge on. And it this trailer was fun. I enjoyed it. So this isn't a TV series. It's not a movie. It's a special. And all of the vibes of this trailer, if you watch it yourself, our B-horror movie. Now, I don't know if all of it's supposed to be taken seriously, but there is a large amount that seems to be tongue-in-cheek in this era or in this particular special. We are seeing a lot of screaming characters looking in terror. Now, it's interesting that this is being made given the fact that Before leaving the film, Scott Derrickson talked about Multiverse of Madness as being the real first MCU horror film as it was marketed to fans around phase two that these were going to be different genre films brought into the MCU, such as Captain America, the Winter Soldier, not the TV series, the film from 2014 that was going to be a political thriller thing as that's probably the best example from phase two, if we're being honest, of genres that they were able to blend in successfully but with characters like blade we had a tease of moon knight 
or not tease. We had Moon Knight the series. I'm very curious wh- how heavy with the horror elements this is going to be able to dive into. How scared are you allowed to be with PG-13? We currently really don't have any R-rated films from the MCU, excluding the Fox stuff that has made its way to Disney+. Plus. But I'm curious. It's certainly something that I am looking forward to. The next trailer that I'm going to talk about is the first debut of footage for Secret Invasion, which is going to be a six-episode season or series, limited series. We're not really sure. Disney doesn't really tell us if these things are going to have more than one season. They just announce things as they happen, which is unfortunate, even if it's a good show. But regardless, I really dug this trailer. Speaking of political thrillers like Captain America the Winter Soldier, it finally feels like something that fits in that genre. I think Black Widow was attempting to be that serious and that style of film, but this series gives those vibes off significantly. It's really interesting because of all the information that we do know that we've seen Maria Hill and Nick Fury blipped in Infinity War or snapped. They're going with blip as the official description of the action of Thanos in Infinity War and subsequent blips or snaps in Endgame. But are those so were the versions and the time frame for this series is said to be between Infinity War and Endgame, which brings up all sorts of sort of questions as if were, was Nick Fury and Maria Hull that got snapped the scroll version or is the versions we're seeing in this show the scrolls? I think either are possibilities, but we're not really sure. We do hear the fact that Maria says she's been calling on Nick because he has been in space. And he has finally returned her call. We hear comments that Nick Fury is in space, specifically in No Way Home. It is referenced that Nick Fury was off planet. And we did see Talos, played by... I just forgot his name. Uh, um, By Ben Mendelsohn. There we go. Ben Mendelsohn in Far From Home. That was one of the teases with Maria Rambeau. So we have all sorts of scroll things happening. There has been comments on specific Avengers we have seen before have been scrolls. We do see Olivia Coleman and Amelia Clark in this as well. And Nick Fury has an eye patch at the end of the trailer, but he doesn't start the one with an eye patch, which was quite funny. I find it really interesting. This this run of the comics was amazing as it was able to weave in past stories and past character motivations that may not necessarily have made sense with the versions of the characters that we know. Ultimately, for me, what will be the defining point I will be a stickler for with this series is if characters are scrolls. And if we are going all the way back to explain or retcon in Skrulls, they I, fundamentally, the Skrulls were introduced in the 1990s. I'm using air quotes for that because Captain Marvel came out in 2019 prior to the release of Endgame to introduce the character or give them or give Carol a solo film so that her appearance in Endgame made more sense. But There was a significant amount of retcons in that film to the MCU's continuity, having the the very, uh, what I consider, very poor explanation for how Nick Fury had his eye scratched away and the inclusion of what gave Nick the idea for the Avengers Initiative. 
that one doesn't necessarily break continuity, but the scrolls existing for what now is, if we are into 2024 or 2025, I guess I should, I should redact that from my, from my statement in that this will take place between 2018 and 2023. Siri is reacting to 2023, which is the five year gap of infinity war to end game. So it's been potentially 25 years of the scrolls being in or being on earth. How does that fit with the overall narrative? I really need this to work from a continuity standpoint. The thing that would absolutely drive me nuts about this series is if it retcons a whole bunch of stuff and then I can't go back and watch any of these movies again. I've got really young kids, so they have not seen any of the MCU content yet. And I'm really looking forward to watching it with them. And I hope that in some way I'll be able to watch it in continuity er, or continuity timeline wise. And that works because if it doesn't, then you really have to be up to date with the MCU phase four specifically moving forward. And that would be really disappointing because it would make it hard to bring in new fans. Now, I know they're not worried about that necessarily because Disney Plus has even more subscribers than Netflix right now, which is insane given the fact that the streaming or the, the streaming platform is only three years old, which is crazy to think about. But regardless, that is going to be something that I really want them to have figured out. We did hear recently with some interviews for She-Hulk that there is people who have seen everything and their job is to keep it in continuity. So I'm really hoping that happens with these big swings that they are taking. But We've only seen a trailer. I'm interested in it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It looks like, again, they're just taking the title of this event and doing their own thing, which is fine if it works overall for the show. Uh, the next thing that I'm going to talk about very briefly is Loki Season 2. We It was announced that Kihui Kwan is joining, the, joining Season 2, which is exciting. I think he was incredible in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And if you didn't get to see his reunion photo with Harrison Ford, it's absolutely heartwarming. And I'm somebody who does like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So that was, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing that. And I'm glad to see that his career is really booming after coming back from, I believe it's 20 plus years of being out of the profession because he's, he was clearly a very talented actor, actor at a very young age. And I'm glad to see that he's being brought into the MCU, and I hope it's for a substantial role. But that's it. I don't want to talk about how I felt about Loki Season 1. That's not what we're doing here. This is news. Uh, Matt Shackman is confirmed to be directing Fantastic Four. Guess what? No cast of any kind, no new actors of any kind in terms of the ones that were rumored, which is certainly irritating because I was very excited to see if we were going to get any casting announcements. But we did not. Next on the docket, we have Echo has wrapped filming. Vincent D'Onofrio is confirmed to be in the show, which is certainly exciting. Although there was no confirmation as to if Charlie Cox, a.k.a. Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, a.k.a. The Man Without Fear. I don't think he has any other nicknames is in the show or not, but perhaps he is. Maybe Daredevil's show hopping until he gets his own show. But speaking of his own show, we are going to be getting that 18 episodes of Daredevil Born Again and it seems that that title may be implying more than just the comic book run as it as with interviews with Charlie Cox after the event. He did say that this is not a season four and that it's a season one sort of starting over. So 
how many connections is this going to have with the Netflix stuff? I think it's going to be very thin at best. We may get Carol. We may get Foggy. We may get none of them. I don't... Nobody seems to really know. They don't start shooting until next year. 18 episodes is certainly a long series. It's the, It'll be the longest for any of the Disney Plus Marvel or Star Wars shows. So that's something to really think about. I, I do really hope that we get to see a significantly large amount of courtroom scenes, given that Matt is a lawyer. That is something that I feel is currently missing from She-Hulk. And I know Jessica Gao has come out and said, like, that wasn't their strong suit. But that's not ultimately the point of that show. It's Jen's story, not her lawyer. The Unfortunately, the lawyer part of her life gets more and more pulled away as more and more She-Hulk things happen in her life. But needless to say, I'm looking forward to Daredevil. Fingers crossed. That's my favorite of the next Netflix series is I think it's the most consistent, although season two has its its ups and downs. But Charlie Cox, I would put on the Mount Rushmore of MCU castings of all time. I'm, I don't want to come up with the other three right now. We'll talk about it. Talk about that at another time. Maybe that can be a mailbag question. Who knows? Captain America 4. If you were a big fan of The Incredible Hulk in 2008, guess what? We got General Ross back. We didn't get Liv Tyler back. We didn't get Ed Norton back. But we are getting Tim Blake Nelson back as the leader is finally coming back. I guess in continuity, this will be probably 15 years since we've seen him last. Because if you follow most of the timeline stuff for Incredible Hulk, it actually happens in 2010. I I mean, it doesn't really matter if you watch it in timeline-wise in 2008. It doesn't hugely affect the story, partially because it was made with, with Universal and not Paramount at the time. So the leader is going to be back. That's very exciting. Danny Ramirez is going to be Joaquin Torres, a.k.a. the new Falcon, which is awesome. He was really great in Top Gun more recently, and I enjoyed him in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which then became Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I know that really did bug friend of mine, uh, Molly Freeman, because we have two things now with the exact same title, which is stupid. Undeniable. It's dumb. And we are getting the, um, the first official mutant debut of Sabra, I have no idea what the MCU plans are with mutants currently. I I have nothing to say when it comes to that. We've got the X-Men theme a couple times. We've seen a couple other potential mutants. We know that. Spoilers for Miss Marvel. Go away right now. Come back when you've done the show. Okay, you're done? Okay, we're going to get into it. Um, briefly. Is that uh, Kamala Khan is a, is a mutant now instead of an inhuman. So there's that. I don't know what else to say about that. But we finally do have post credit scenes that matter. Isn't that exciting? Don't you remember in phase one when we had all these post credit scenes and eventually they teased Thanos and that was super exciting. And then in I'm trying to think, I guess phase three mostly they counted as we were seeing the Infinity Stones kind of start to be relevant to the plot. And now with uh, Yelena Allegra Dufontaine, a.k.a. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, as the not the duchess i can't remember there's a lot of names i just said off the top of my head is has assembled her thunderbolts it's unfortunate that we have lost william hurt as the thunderbolts obviously get their namesake from thunderbolt ross but the we have ghost we have red guardian we have u.s agent we have yelena aka the new black widow we have bucky and we have did i say 
and Taskmaster. And every actor who has played that role will be returning. I'm personally most excited to see Red Guardian. I thought that was a super fun character. And I was really hoping that it wasn't just a one shot for David Harbour in the MCU. I can't wait to see him interact with the other characters with Yelena. I thought their back and forth was certainly exciting. And it'll be interesting to see Bucky in more of a villain role. Like this is an ambiguous superhero team that's mostly full of like pretty much bad guys. I wouldn't say that they've redeemed every character from the side of evil. U.S. agent specifically decapitated a guy with his Captain America shield. And so I don't know. I'm interested. I'm glad to seeing that these post-credit scenes that we like i said were teased in the tv shows and i believe one was in black widow yeah it was are starting to connect to something because we've had a bunch and more recently with dr strange had something that i'm hoping matters later i'm not going to spoil all the post-credit scenes and then spider-man had some that were certainly something but i don't want to get into that um <laughs> Because that's, I have a lot more to talk about. All right, going into specifically the Disney things. So that's Pixar slash Walt Disney Pictures. We had the finally the debut of footage from The Little Mermaid starring Haley Berry. And I think the CGI looked okay, but I like the look of it. It's very dark, given how it's the bottom of the ocean. That kind of does make sense. It wouldn't be super illuminated on there unless there were some sort of illuminescent fish. And I don't recall seeing many of those in Atlantica. That is where Ariel lives. King Triton is the king of Atlantica. But, man, this, this woman can sing. She absolutely nails the part of your world. The part of part of your world that they 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 use in the in the trailer, it's there's been some criticism over the lighting of the shot, but I didn't have any any issues with it particularly because it would appear that she is in her hideout with all of her souvenirs from from the from land people, humans as they refer to them. I don't know why I called them land people because mermaids and humans aren't the same species but that's besides the point so i i did like it i thought it was a good tease we do get to see the back of flounder we do not get to see any talking animals so that will be something that i'm very curious about if it is hits that into that uncanny valley where it's off-putting to see these creatures talk because that may or may not be a problem in my review but i'll uh, that'll be a little nugget that we'll get to when i get to my the feature review of the episode uh, the Hocus Pocus 2 trailer, I'm not a fan of this this original film. I believe I've seen it once as a kid growing up. So if you were excited for this, I'm glad for you, but it's not something that I'm necessarily looking forward to. I'm glad it's on Disney Plus because it means I don't have to go out and see it, and it's already included in my subscription. That's the best part of a streaming service film. The next one is Disenchanted, which is a sequel to a long-awaited film. I believe it was 2004 off the top of my head, bringing back everybody from the cast, which is certainly something I did not expect. But we have everybody coming back, Patrick Dempsey, James Marsden, Adina Menzel, I believe, is a new cast member, and, of course, Amy Adams. And things go awry for her, and it looks fun. I think it looks exactly... It was 2007. It looks exactly like a spiritual sequel to this film things go awry we have magic and cartoons mixing with live action it looks fun 
And that's a film that, again, I'm looking forward to watching on Disney+. Plus. I don't think I would have made it out to the theater for this. But Disney is certainly pumping a ton into their streaming films. So I hope this is entertaining. I, If you are a diehard fan of this like Hocus Pocus, I hope you are looking forward to this. Because even though I'm not a huge fan, I thought this did look good. We have Willow, which is, again, a film I saw maybe once growing up. But the thing that I found most interesting about this film tv series which is also peculiar given how there's so many sequel films but this is getting a tv series i know justin lynn was initially involved in this i'm not exactly sure if he did wind up directing any of the um tv series but it would appear that they're building some sort of cast of leads to to lead the show as opposed to having warwick davis be the the lead of the series, which I find interesting. It, it would appear that, no, Justin Lin did not direct at least the first two episodes, and Jonathan Kasdan wrote the pilot. I think this has the same sort of old, like, Amblin fantasy characteristics to it. So it certainly piqued my interest. I'm a big fan of Warwick Davis. I think whenever he's in something, it's I, something I will enjoy, except if it's the Leprechaun movies. Those things are absolutely terrifying and scared me from going into a basement that was completely pitch black till I was like 19 years old. Maybe a little older, if I'm being honest. But regardless, I'm excited to see this. This is a cult classic getting a continuation, which doesn't always happen when you're a Disney property. Where is Tron Legacy 2? That is my question. I know we got a game announcement, but that doesn't matter. I want a Tron Legacy 2. I don't want whatever the heck they're planning with Jared Leto. I want a Tron Legacy 2. That's what I want. Anyways, uh, we have Elemental, which is coming out in June 16th, 2023. And it is about a, a woman made of fire and a man made of water who are in love. There are so many things that this film could contain. This is a Pixar film. And I'm really excited to see what this is. Again, we have we got some f couple screenshots, but that's about it. Another thing that just got an announcement was Inside Out 2. We are going to get Riley as a teenager, which means more emotions, more confusion, and unfortunately, even more the even more expectation specifically out of me. I think Inside Out is one of the best Pixar films ever made. A children's, a family-friendly film is how I'm going to phrase that. Not a children's film because there's unfortunately sometimes can be two different distinctions that covers literally a range of emotions and showing that it is okay to be sad and that that is a crucial part of growing up is something that I will never ever be able to say thank you for more than I can. It is a beautiful, beautiful film that to this day still makes me cry my wife i'm 30 plus years old bought me a shirt with the bing bong song on it and my kids love it and i'm looking forward to seeing the sequel and i hope it has the depth of inside out but even to a significantly higher degree given the possibilities of being a teenager especially in the world today how are they going to cover things with smartphone there's so many areas that they can cover and i'm hoping that we get something immensely deep because I was a little let down by a film like Soul, which I had such high expectations for. And it is a good movie, but I don't think it reaches the heights of a film like Inside Out. So Inside Out 2, this is a big deal. Another film turning into a franchise. I'm glad it didn't turn into a really crappy TV show. So given the fact that it's been, it'll be six years 
since the first film. Nope, I think longer. Because this is supposed to come out in 2000 and, uh, 2015. So it's almost a decade. So given the fact that they've waited this long, I'm really hoping that they have a great idea to imp- to use with Riley being a teenager. I don't know how many... Emo- Are we going to get different versions of sadness? Are we going to get different versions of fear, depression, anxiety? There's all sorts of areas to cover. And given how mental health has become a more and more active conversation... I'm hoping that this continues to add to and remove the veil of shame when it comes to dealing with mental health. It's a serious issue. You can always find somebody to talk to, and hopefully there is always somebody there willing to listen. And I'm hoping that we get these sort of things in Inside Out too. Can't wait for it. I'll be there day one. Now, you may have heard of a franchise called Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars fan. It's been hit and miss in the Disney era, not going to lie, but the area that I think has been ultimately the most successful is the animation, the continuation of Star Wars Clone Wars, the Battle of Mandalore, I believe is some of the best Star Wars ever. That four-episode run with Ahsoka is just, it's chef's kiss so good. I know a lot of people are hesitant to dive into the animation for Star Wars, but if you were a fan of The Mandalorian and you liked some of those characters' inclusions in Season 2 and weren't necessarily sure, I would highly recommend you check out The Clone Wars. It is a it is a more serious watch than I think a lot of people are willing to give it credit for before actually watching it. The first two seasons are significantly more child-friendly, but it, it gets more mature, it gets more adult, and the level of depth that they were able to get into with these characters is unfortunately something the movies will never be able to achieve because we had seven seasons of the clone wars four seasons of star wars rebels and these characters are becoming titular foundational they're being positioned to be important ultimately to what the mandalorian story is and the disney live action or disney plus star wars television series scope is going to be we're likely going to be getting thrown i'm not even going to tell you who that is but i'm looking forward to tales of the jedi i think this is a great idea to do an anthology series to tell stories you've always wanted to tell that aren't going to be a movie aren't specifically going to get to be a series clearly dave filoni's had ideas that he wasn't able to incorporate into those other two shows which are essentially rebels is a sequel to Clone Wars, and it would appear Ahsoka is a sequel to Rebels, but that happens to be in live action. And I think an origin story and the downfall of Count Dooku, we haven't truly been able to see a Jedi go to the dark side, to the depths that Count Dooku was. And there's some ambiguity into necessarily like what was his goal. It wasn't to take over the galaxy. He felt wronged, and I'm curious to see like how we get into this how we see this story. We also get to see a young Qui-Gon Jinn, which is something we've almost never seen in the Star Wars universe. And he's actually being voiced by Liam Neeson's son. So that I am really looking forward to. Bad Batch Season 2 is coming out Jan 4th, 2023. Very excited for that show. Again, loved it. I think the first couple episodes take a while to settle in. The first episode is essentially a movie, but I thoroughly enjoyed those characters and seeing exactly what was going on in the earliest days posts or at the rise of the empire i i thought it was awesome and it was a super entertaining watch from start to finish and these characters i'm curious to seeing if they're going to find a way to backdoor them into stuff moving forward or are they unfortunately going to get lost pre new hope as 
a lot of these characters weren't in that stuff, so they're either dead or very, very well hidden. Speaking of a character who did die pre-New Hope, spoilers, I guess, is Andor. I think the show looks absolutely incredible. It finally looks like something shot for real, and it was. Uh, Rogue One, I know, is a film that a lot of people love. If you listen to the bonus episode four that was on our debut the week prior, Rob Keys thinks it's the best Disney live action Star Wars movie. And it's very hard to debate that. That's not my what I believe is the best, but it's certainly a very well made film. And seeing more of Cassian Andor at the birth of the rebellion is something really, really cool. We get to see Mon Mothma and Stellan Skarsgård shows up. That dude's working in all kinds of Disney projects, but... The birth of the rebellion in an era where you were taking people that weren't necessarily like full of heart, but were just trying to survive. Cassian is not your 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 typical do-gooder. He ultimately decides that that is the role that he wants to have in the in the in the far far away galaxy. But I'm excited to see this. We know it's going to have a two two season run, twelve episodes each, and that's it. That's the run, and I'm excited to see this. Tony Gilroy apparently doesn't really care about Star Wars and that can sometimes be a good thing when you're treating all of this canon as holier than thou as opposed to and that puts shackles on you to write an, an interesting original story so this is a very small box to fit this story into but every trailer that I've seen and this newest one in particular which also shows Saw Gerrera back is something I'm very much looking forward to uh, we have Casting, speaking of Ahsoka, Iman Esfandi, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm going to try to find more footage of him saying it, is playing as Ezra Bridger. So Mina Musad, unfortunately, didn't get the role. He said he tried, he did a self-tape and didn't feel that he had a fair opportunity. But regardless, we have an actor who looks identical to season one, Star Wars Rebels. And it is really interesting to see that Ahsoka, well, there has been footage shown to fans at Star Wars Celebration, but has not been shown to the public, unfortunately, that it looks like this is going to be the search for Ezra and the search for Thrawn. I don't really want to say anything more about that, but I think you should, if you are interested in Ahsoka, because it, it comes out next year, I would recommend you check out Star Wars Rebels to really get a grasp on what exactly is Ahsoka doing, because it's... I would you don't necessarily need to see Clone Wars, but again, I check out the Star Wars animation. It's very, very good. I mean, you don't need to watch Resistance, but regardless, check out that stuff. It's really, really good. And we have a Mando season three trailer. I loved Mandalorian. Season one, I think, is incredible. Season two, again, had its ups and downs, but Backdoor pilot with Ahsoka, I'm not going to complain about that whatsoever. Rosario Dawson was awesome as that character, and it was a very Japanese samurai style Ronin episode, and that was awesome. And we get to see Grogu reunited with his papa, aka his daddy Mando, who has some things to deal with because the armorer doesn't believe he's a Mandalorian anymore. And we get to see the ruins of Mandalore and Bo Katan. She ain't happy about it. Things aren't going necessarily great for the Mandalorians, and it'll be really interesting to see this. Almost Game of Thrones style politics going on with like what it means to me a Mandalorian. Are you born one? Can you become one? How do you get your honor back and essentially be reborn as one? That's something that I'm I'm looking forward to the seeing. And that show also where there's a lot of Star Wars stuff coming out in 2023. But and we also get to see Babu Frick. 
And I love me some Babu Frick. He's – or they? I don't actually know. But it's a very funny character from Rise of Skywalker. So obviously this is going to be way before that, 40 years, give or take. What's the character doing up until that point? But who knows? That is all of the Disney Plus slash D23 slash Pixar slash Marvel slash Star Wars. There was an Indiana Jones trailer. Didn't get to see it. Super disappointed about that. Although the one piece of news about that that I was really excited to hear is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is playing Indiana Jones's goddaughter. Now, who would name Indiana Jones her godfather? I have some theories on that, but I really want to see a trailer before I put them out. Because I could be completely wrong. I think it is... No, I'm not going to say. I'm going to keep that idea... Because I really want to see a trailer. I'm super looking forward to this film. James Mangold has made some incredible films. And I am really looking forward to seeing this final film. Harrison Ford said it himself. It is the final film in the Indiana Jones. What are we in? Quintilogy? Is that what you call it? Quintilogy? Because it's not a quadrilogy. Because there's four currently. So quadrilogy. God, I hope it makes up for the sins of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because that is a film I hated. Speaking of that, did Pinocchio do anything right? Did it make up for the sins of the past Disney remakes? We'll find out next as I review Pinocchio 2022. Pinocchio 2022. I hate how we have to throw years into films now. It's super frustrating. It's just a stupid... I mean, it works if it's a one-off. I called Spider-Man that was on the PlayStation 4, Spider-Man 2018, because it didn't have a subtitle. But this is what we do now. Disney makes a remake of a film, and then we talk about it. And uh, I have to say, uh, there's a before getting in part- specifics into Pinocchio, I have liked about half of them. I think that Jungle Book made some significant changes to the animated film and i really i think it makes it ultimately a better narrative pete's dragon changes essentially everything i'm you know what maybe i will do a at the very no it's it's a mess i don't want this episode to run too long so i'm gonna get into pinocchio so pinocchio 2022 stars tom hanks directed by Robert Zemeckis, who would be known from such films as Back to the Future, Castaway, the horrifying Beowulf film, and Polar Express, as well as, what did he do most recently? The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's made some incredible films. Some of them are my favorites of all time. I loved Back to the Future. I was super excited to get to see all three of them on the big screen in what was that 2015 it was the 30th anniversary of the second film when they go to the year 2000 fast 2015 which was amazing and we also have cynthia arrivo as the blue fairy giuseppe battestone as stromboli and luke evans is in it and benjamin evan ainsworth as the titular character and joseph gordon levitz as jiminy cricket now We're in the non-spoiler part of the review, so I'm just going to tell you how I felt about it. I did not like this movie. I found it incredibly dry. It lacks the charm of the original. Now, the original is not a film that I hold in super high regard in the pantheon of Disney animated features, but the impact that it did have is something that is undeniable, or not undeniable, undeniable. 
it you may not know this but the theme for the walt disney pictures logo is when you wish upon a star which is from this film there is a lot of things from pinocchio that are vital to disney's survival it was the second film after snow white you could argue a make or break for the studio snow white could could have been the one hit wonder of the of walt disney pictures Ultimately, it wasn't. We look at where where we are now. They debuted a 100th anniversary logo at D23 this past weekend. So it's interesting that this is one of the films from the golden era that finally is getting a live action debut. It's I understand what kind of why they've done what they've done, where they've remade films from the Disney Renaissance or Renaissance, if Renaissance, if you're a How I Met Your Mother fan, where They've made most of the films from that era, which, if you're unaware, is from Little Mermaid to Tarzan. So that's 1989 to 1999, arguably the best run in the entire history of the of the studio. Films like, obviously, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Rescuers Down Under, The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Tarzan, Hercules, Pon- uh, Pocahontas, Hunchback. And I believe I already said Hunchback of Notre Dame. I said them completely out of order, and that messed up how I was listing them but yeah so we're getting more of the golden era films at there was footage shown at d23 for snow white which has rachel ziegler and gal gadot in the film but we're here to talk about pinocchio so yes i didn't enjoy this film i think ultimately the visuals were somewhat entertaining but somewhat off-putting this film has an issue where it wants to be as colorful and visually vibrant as the animated feature but because the fact that it is live action there are certain things that don't necessarily make any sense where we see characters like jiminy cricket is an anthropomorphized anthropomorphized cricket but he's given what seems to be biologically accurate textures so he's kind of off-putting to look at he lacks that cute quality that the animated feature character has also, to some degree, the de- the level of detail in Pinocchio is incredible, but he's actually the size of a puppet. And him walking around with other children, he's about the size of my two-year-old. So I don't know how old they're supposed to be playing Pinocchio in this film. Like, he goes to school, but he's the size of a preschooler, which was super weird. Like, the detail in the pine wood in, on the actual puppet is really cool, but his character sort of lacks specificity which is certainly irritating given that he's supposed to be existing in what is a live action world one detail that i did like was that jiminy whenever he actually jumps the cricket sound is made which is a cool detail i i thought this film has some fun visuals specifically with jiminy when we see things he's experiencing because i would assume that entire all the shots that that occurs in are entirely CGI, so it's a significantly more captivating image, as opposed to splicing these very outlandish character models in live action. That even happens with Honest John, where he is a super photorealistic talking fox, yet he's, in terms of the detail, but he is standing up and wearing a suit, similar to the animated character, and I feel that this film taking place in the live action in the live action space feels like two films 
fighting against itself. This probably would have worked better as an entirely CGI film, which is hilarious given the fact that Robert Zemeckis made Beowulf and Polar Express, and those films are so difficult to look at given the era of CGI that they were made in. But I think the film struggles to have a a well-placed balance with that with the, these areas in the film i think it's ridiculous to see pinocchio walk around with actual sized children obviously i understand that geppetto's not going to make like a four foot tall puppet given how marionettes are rarely that tall but these are certain details that i just had a hard time accepting tom hanks is is quite good in the film i think given the fact that i i'd be willing to guess he shot this entire thing in the volume or maybe on very small sets with nothing is something to behold. He's a, obviously he's a phenomenal actor, but he gives, he gives depth to Geppetto. And I'm going to talk about that more into spoilers because I have a list of the changes that were done. Cause obviously there are changes to the film. It is about 10 minutes longer than the original. So this is about an hour and 50 as the original film was about an hour and 40, but the film follows essentially the same plot structure as the cartoon. There's not much change there, which again makes it really difficult to enjoy this as a new film when you feel that you're just seeing the beats of the original. Also, the CGI, again, at times is super weird, is terrible. It's unfortunately, I feel that it likely the visual effects vendors were not given enough time because this is certainly something Robert Zemeckis has done well countless times using well-used visual effects and special effects but this may have lacked the render time that the the visual effects houses would have required but it was laughable at times and there i can understand why this was released on disney plus as opposed to a theatrical release because this would have looked even worse on a movie theater screen i watched this at home and for context i do not have a bad tv i am not bragging but i have a budget affordable 4k tv and we watched i watched this with my children and it it there were some shots that looked really really unfinished which is unfortunate i think some of the changes to the film are fine i don't think they make it better i don't think they make it worse they're just sort of there i liked since since cynthia evo as the blue fairy i think she gives a great version or that may be a spoiler so i'm going to save that for changes but yeah, I, I did not, this definitely fall, this may be one of the worst of the live action films. I, it lacks the joy and the charm that the cartoon does. And that's unfortunate given the fact that this is a film, I think there's a significant amount of people who hold it dearly. This is one of the Disney classics and it, there's a reason this is on streaming, I guess. We had Lady and the Tramp a couple years ago and now we have this and it's unfortunate i think benjamin um uh, i don't want to mess up his name benjamin evan ainsworth gives a good performance joseph gordon levitt is fine he's the voice that he is doing is jiminy-esque and i think G jiminy is entertaining he may be my favorite part of the movie and luke evans is there a lot of people in this just sort of are there and it's unfortunate that this is a Robert Zemeckis film because I actually had really high expectations given the fact that he's involved in this because I am a fan of his films and there's nothing really here that outdoes the original. I don't think 
given the I don't know even know what the budget for this was, but I'm really hoping it wasn't significantly high. It's it hasn't been reported at least on Wikipedia where I'm checking very quickly that this is a it's an absolute dud. This falls into the camp of something like Lion King where it's essentially the exact same film just done better. And I think this film actually, like I said, would have been better if it was just full CG and you could have made some sort of changes where it didn't have to have complete realism because that takes away from the the magic, pun intended, of this story of a boy made of wood, a wooden puppet, coming to life and learning to become a real boy. And it's something that I would say does not fall under recommendations. And I think I'm to further talk about things I didn't like I'm gonna have to get into spoilers so this doesn't get the the film realist recommend again if you're on Disney plus and you need something to watch I guess you can my kids didn't necessarily mind it they sat there for the whole time but my kids are quite quite good when it comes to sitting for a film but that's uh that's how I felt about it I don't think it's something that I'm going to rewatch again which is unfortunate because it just falls under another dud of a remake spoilers for Pinocchio if you do not want to hear them you well enjoy the rest of the show because there isn't any <laughs> all right so spoilers for Pinocchio there's a bunch of changes to this that should have ad added more depth and unfortunately I don't think they dive deep enough into them maybe they were hamstrung I know Bob Zemeckis w was involved in the screenwriting of this picture but I think the things they added some of them re required more time and analysis but they ultimately just sort of are additions for the sake of additions i guess so it it would appear that geppetto did in fact actually have a family we have several mentions of his wife and a son and we see a picture of his son and that pinocchio is actually the inspiration or sorry his son is the inspiration for pinocchio's actual aesthetic the way that he looks and he even has a fun conversation with figaro that he believes he does look like his son which is something truly tragic that this man is no longer left with anything and he creates a son out of wood to fill that void in his life. But you know what? We, we can't we can't spend too much time on that because it's a fun Disney animated movie. And honestly, something more serious probably would have been ultimately more entertaining, which is kind of funny in retrospective. Um, and yes, the, uh, so he has made all the clocks similarly to that of the cartoon. But they're all Disney movies. Isn't that fun? Don't you love your your branding? I guess one of the major outside of that, there's a change where the clock that had the mom spanking the boy, spanking the boy on his bum is no longer in here. She's stopped by a police officer because you don't want to endorse child abuse in a Disney film. But uh, so that's why all the clocks are there. It, it is hilarious to me that we see all the Disney clocks twice. But, you know. Brand synergy, that's how these things work, which is fine, I guess. Um, Stromboli is kind of the same. He's just as evil, maybe. I, a lot of this film, unfortunately, I felt that I sort of just sort of glazed over as it was happening. Like, oh, I know this. And none of it was new enough. And none of it was different enough to have an impact because I've seen the cartoon so many times. Um... In this version, we get a little bit more with the, the little girl puppet that we briefly see Pinocchio kind of have a thing for in the cartoon. And there is a human human girl that seems to befriend or that does befriend Pinocchio and 
helps him settle into being a captive of Stromboli's puppet show. But other than that, again, it kind of doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't turn out to be evil. She doesn't really show up again. I don't know why it's there. I honestly, I don't. It These things are just things. They don't add to the story or the character relationships. They're just more parts of it. It's more fun stuff to refer to episode three in the Spider-Man more fun stuff edition. Um, all of the, what I would describe as offensive characteristics of Pleasure Island have been removed, which is a benefit. You don't want to have caricatures of indigenous people in it. Any of the smoking, any of the drinking, they drink root beer, but I believe it's only mentioned once that it's root beer, but all the, all the trappings are mostly the same. It's more appropriate of what the children are doing at Pleasure Island and who brings them there, but Luke Evans. So he's had multiple roles in Disney remakes. That being of course, Gaston in the beauty and the beast remake, which while being very note for note, I did enjoy. I did enjoy. I did enjoy that one. And uh, he also has some smoke monsters that help him patrol the donkey children. Again, goes nowhere. Why are you just adding this stuff? If you're not going to make it a part of the story, we know magic exists, so explore that. Maybe he had a wish from the Blue Fairy and something went bad. Maybe all this is the manifestation of all of these children's bad decisions, or I have no idea. I don't know why they're there. They're super cool looking. The 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 fluid simulation, which is what you would call it on the smoke, because gas is a fluid in terms of computing, is cool to look at. They've got eyes. They kind of look like something that I believe you would have seen in Fantasia. But other than that, it doesn't do anything. And I don't understand why. Um, and most notably, I guess, the whole rescue around Monstro and Pinocchio finding Geppetto is slightly different. He doesn't swim. He water skis. Which is fine, I guess. Um, and Monstro is no longer a big humpback whale. He's an actual sea monster, but it's weird because they still give him like fins, but then he's got a bunch of like tentacles and crap coming out the back, which I didn't really understand. And again, that's, there's a scene inside of him phrasing where there's, when they smoke, when they create the fire to, to cause him to sneeze. And, oh, there is a very, very bad CGI body double for, Tom Hanks, because the whole scene obviously is CG, where they get blown out when he sneezes. It's terrible. And this is, a lot of this film feels like it was shot in the volume, which is, if you're unaware, is a LED wall. So it's like a bunch of TVs that they can display backgrounds on, which The Mandalorian, a lot of Star Wars and Marvel shows have used. And this film feels like that. It feels like they shot it in a closet. There, there's a couple of sets. I believe it's supposed to be in Italy. Oh, I didn't even talk about this yet. Lampwick has like a New York or Boston accent. I don't know which one. It kind of sounds like East America. For some reason, I thought this was supposed to take place in Italy, given everybody else's names are, have it, are Italian names. But it's fine, I guess. Uh, or whatever. It, that, it completely took me out of the film, and I was shocked by that. And uh, what what although one change that I did enjoy is that this film's ending is the original ending of the animated feature, which is not Pinocchio drowning and having to be taken back to to Geppetto's house, but, but Geppetto and Pinocchio thinking he was dead and ultimately 
realize like he cries and brings him back to life. It's very Pokemon the first movie if you've that's a very dated reference. But he comes back and then the ending is a little ambiguous. We um we're not sure if Geppetto or Geppetto <laughs> Geppetto is a real old man. But we're not sure if Pinocchio did become a real boy. The film kind of shows him as a very tiny boy, which again is super weird. How old, he's got the proportions of like a young boy but he's the size of like a two-year-old. It's very, very weird, and I don't like it. It's it's icky to <laughs> to describe it in some sort of a in in another way. And uh, Jiminy Cricket is the narrator, and that ends the story. So yeah, I um I didn't like this film. I think the changes are the changes. They're not something I necessarily I I don't want to watch this again. I am not going to. But that is Pinocchio. Does not get a rec- recommendation from me. And I'm, I'm not happy to, to report that because this was something that I was hoping was going to be good. But it wasn't. So that wraps up the show. Please like and subscribe on your podcast feeds. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now Google Podcasts. Please leave a star review and a comment because I like to read those and they help with the old algorithm for the show. I am available at Kyle underscore Naranya. You can tweet directly to the podcast at Film Realist. That's film and then Realist with two E's. And next week, I don't know what's coming up. I will tweet about it when I have an idea. I'm going to try to see the, the Woman is King. I think that's what the review is going to be for next week. But don't hold me to that. Things may change. There may be a streaming film that I'm able to watch at home. And if I can watch something more than once, I feel that the re- review is better for the podcast as a whole. I'll see you next time.